6 a.m. on the West Coast, 9 a.m. on the East Coast of America. It is 2 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan. And in Malaysia, it's 1984. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. <sighs> Thank you to Harris Heller and Stream Beats for the cool Christmas tunes. You check it out, Stream Beats. If you're a streamer, gamer, whatever it is you do on the stream, check out Stream Beats. They've got some great tracks over there. Very nice, very nice. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Wednesday and it's hot. All of a sudden, it became so hot just this evening. It didn't rain where I am anyway in Malaysia today. Uh, but the humidity, really, I'm, I'm sweating like a farm animal here. So anyway, we're getting through it slowly but surely. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and at uh, Twitter, <laughs> twitch.tv, and rumble.com. Welcome to all of our live viewers. And if you're watching the video replay afterwards on any one of those channels, plus locals.com, you will find us there. Just look for that logo and Jay Sheldon, or I'm not wearing pants, can't miss it. Uh, also, we are a podcast, and a welcome in, and a huge thank you to all, yes, to all of our podcast listeners and downloaders. Thank you so much for keeping us uh, alive. We are available everywhere, including just got up on Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Oh, and of course, Geo7 in India. And I hope I'm saying that name right. J-I-O-S-A-A-V-N, Geo7. It's a podcast distributor in India. And I just got an email from them today congratulating us on our successful podcast. And uh, I wanted to give a tip of the hat to the folks who are listening to us in India, because it is just so cool to be there. This is one of the things they shared with me. Uh, Mumbai is our top city. And then Manahari, Patna, uh, Pataling and Jaya, but that's, that's in India. Uh, Indore, Katra, Bangalore, and Kolkata. So those are some of the cities where... You may be listening in, and I thank you very much. A tip of the hat to you guys, and a hearty hi ho for uh, for your downloads and your listens. I uh, I really do appreciate it. That was very cool of you guys. All right, uh, what else have we got coming up? Oh, I know. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold the phone. I got to do one little tweaky tweak here, and get over to my profile page. Hang on, let me just let it come up here. Right, and then I got to scroll down. So hold on, you actually get to see me scroll through. This is me on Facebook. If you want to 
hang out, join up. All right, so I made this post. This is from my YouTube channel. And it says, what I, what I said was, no doubt about it, porn sells. And by the way, you will not find any porn on my channel, but please subscribe anyway. This is a list of the views of the different videos. I mean, sometimes when it's just up, it's just started, I get like three, four, five, six, eight views. 513 views on the title, Apparently Porn Sells. And the thumbnail I used, that's actually an iceberg, a bank of snow floating in the ocean. And the one that really took off was the one that says, Stop with the panic porn. You see here? 2.1 thousand views. Because, and the thumbnail, you can't tell what it is. It's completely digitized. It looks like some sex scene, but it's not. And it, it, the show was not about panic porn that you're thinking of. It's the panic porn where newspapers and online news sites just post these ridiculous headlines, half of which are not even true or bend the hell out of the truth, just to get its clickbait is all it is. And they love making you afraid. And that's what the panic porn is, fear porn. But anyway... 2.1 thousand views, 513 views on both of the shows where I purposely put something porn-related in the title. And so you might ask, why is tonight's show called Sex in Space? <laughs> there is a reason for that, and I'll get to it later. But right now, it's time to get to this. Miko update. Yeah, me, 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 Miko update. Fa la 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 la. She's doing great. Not a lot to update. She's great. She's very healthy, very happy, enjoying life, getting ready for Christmas. And we have to take our Christmas photo, by the way. We'll have that. I hope maybe by Saturday night's stream, I'll get, I'll share that with you. Um, We'll have our, our family Christmas photo. And uh, it was funny because I was downstairs outside with Miko just before the show. And um, I wanted to come back upstairs into the studio and get some stuff ready. And she was out in the middle of the yard, completely ignoring me. If you don't know about Shiba Inus, they have an absolute mind of their own. They will do what they want, when they want to, and there is nothing nada that you can do that you can get their attention unless it's something they want so i'm saying come on miko come in the house let's go good girl let's go she's looking away from me staring i can see her ear twitching so i know she hears me she will not pay attention so i said did you have your cookie yet and the minute she heard the word cookie her head went whipped around and zoom raced in the house. Soon as she heard what she wanted, off she goes. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome to the world. My, welcome to our world of Shiba Inus. It's, uh, it's always an adventure. Hey, a couple shows back, we, uh, we did a segment on under 50 ringgit gifts you could give. Because, you know, a lot of companies will do gift exchanges where they have a, a minimum or a maximum amount you can spend, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks. Uh, 
I saw this, though, from Jamie Ray, and I thought, man, this really does say it all. I Just a quick share, but uh, it's important uh, for the upcoming holidays. It says, don't come at me with your little gift bag or your Christmas tin and say it. it's not much, but let me tell you something. If you think enough of me to build, buy, make, bake, paint, craft, or grow something for me, out of 7 billion people on the planet, this one thing you've picked just for me, that is much. So let's not forget this year when we say it's not much, but because the thoughtfulness to think of somebody else is much. It's the thought, it's the gift, it's the idea that you took the time. That's what's important. So don't be given a gift and saying, eh, it's not much, but no, forget the it, it's not much. It's a lot. I love that. When I saw that, I had to share it with you guys tonight because, uh, yeah, it means a lot. All right. And uh, one of the ideas that you may not want to do for Christmas, or maybe you do because apparently it's really valuable, is whale vomit. Yeah, I know, but apparently whale vomit is a thing. Look, whenever I try and describe this show to people, they always say, what's your show about? And my first answer is it's about an hour. My second answer, it is just a curated collection of crap that I find on the net. Rarely do we do anything controversial here. A, we don't touch Malaysian politics because I'm not allowed to talk about it much. <laughs> I do talk about U.S. politics a little bit when something really cranks my crank, but for the most part, not. So what we do share, because I thought, wouldn't it be nice to just find a place, whether you're listening to the podcast or you watch the live stream or the video replay later, to just take a break from all the crap that's out there. You want controversial shows, you want political shows, you want to go right wing, you're going to go centrist, you want to go left wing nutballs, whatever you want, you will find it in all kinds of formats and variety. But rarely do you just find a place that steps outside of all that usual crap and brings you the weird stuff. So that's what I've challenged myself to do. Not only that, but at the end of our show, we always read a book, a classic book, or part of one, until we get all the way through it. And then we start a new one. And so tonight, one of the main things in our That's Weird category is whale puke. A Malaysian woman has found whale vomit while fishing. And as it turns out, she might be fabulously wealthy. Take a look at this. If you're watching, if you're listening to the podcast, check out the video uh, over on Rumble or Locals, wherever you want. This is the woman. She is holding whale puke. That's just what it is. And there's a close-up sort of picture of the whale vomit. Um, sometimes we're just going about our business without knowing that luck awaits us 
just around the corner. This, by the way, is from the World of Buzz, those amazing, crazy folks at World of Buzz. The link is in the show notes. I encourage you to go check it out, read the whole article. Um, For Aida Zurina Long, she did not expect her luck to take a turn for the better when she found an item that is believed to be whale vomit. Uh, She said, I thought they were just garbage floating on the sea and I used a stick to move them to the shore. She's 41 years old. She was fishing with her family near the jetty at the Malaysian Fish Development Board about 11 o'clock at night, and she decided to return to the place to have a look at an item which she had initially thought to be garbage. And she realized she almost lost a gem because the item was not garbage. Instead, it was chunks of wax which she immediately brought home. Ida's father, who's an experienced fisherman, told her that the five kilogram chunks of wax were actually whale vomit. Now, if you don't know already, whale vomit, its scientific name is ambergris. It is a very valuable substance, can sometimes cost millions of dollars. Yeah, for this waxy chunk of whale vomit. Millions. The chunks of wax did melt when my father burnt it a little and it produced a good smell while it was melting. And uh, the authorities, uh, the authenticity of the whale vomit will have to be verified by experiments by the fisheries department in Tranganu. And uh, that's a state here in Malaysia. Uh, The purpose of the experiments, not only to verify the authenticity, but also to ensure they're not simply just remaining lumps that may be potentially dangerous. Um, Back in June, Yemeni fishermen found themselves in fortune after they discovered whale vomit inside the carcass of a dead sperm whale. Millions! It's worth millions! For whale puke. I'm just sticking it out there. Read the article. It's in our show notes tonight. You get it. It's weird. Plus, you get a chance to look at the vomit close up if, you know, that sort of thing floats your boat. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's whale vomit. What can I say? All right. It's on to our main topic of the night. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it is the headline for tonight's show, which is Sex in Space. (laughs) Do you know sex is banned on the International Space Station? It, It is. No, it's actually written in the rules. You cannot have sex on the International Space Station. Now, normally, there weren't a lot of male and female astronauts on the International Space Station, but that has changed over the years. Not that that would necessarily make a difference in whether or not you had sex, but there are rules about that, and it has been banned. Sorry, astronauts, that you might want to rethink that career in space. You know, if that sort of thing is important to you. But check this article out. It's from uh, sputniknews.com. Link, again, is in the show notes. Why do astronauts keep it on the hush-hush 
And will it become the new normal? Sex in space may sound like a rather romantic idea, but it is not as easy as it might seem. You know, the whole idea of weightlessness brings some interesting imaginations. Lots of factors that can reduce one's drive, starting with the astronaut's fairly busy work schedule and difficulties accepting a match and ending with Newton's third law of motion in conditions of microgravity, which is that bodies in motion tend to stay in motion unless acted upon by an equal and opposite motion. How did I know that? I must have memorized that somewhere. Anyway, the sex life of humans in space is by no means a frivolous issue. Long-duration missions on board the ISS can last for months, and uh, projected flights to the moon or even Mars, which can last many, many months, if not years, matters like personal hygiene, social ritual for space crews, has been considered. They've actually thought about this in detail. And so why not give some thought about human sexual activity? Astronauts, when queried, remained very tight-lipped about it, though. Uh, is sexual intercourse even possible in space? Yes, according to a physician and a scientist who works as a clinical consultant with NASA, it is possible. Humans have been having relations in all sorts of weirds and wonderful odd places, I think, since our species began. Boy, ain't that the truth. Now, for starters, one must reportedly master the trick of doing it in conditions of very low, if not no, gravity, which makes a bit of a challenge in terms of geometry and physics. <laughs> Obviously, in microgravity, if I push on you, we both go in different directions, which makes, you know, getting together a bit of an issue. On Earth, depending upon my mass relative to your mass, if we were on a bed or a couch or something, this is from the scientist, by the way, this is a quote, you won't go away if I don't go. If only one person in space is tethered, obviously this person doesn't move, but the other person does. So, yeah. Uh, once the consenting adults become comfortable in their weightlessness... Then they can go ahead and make up all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> uh, this Another issue to address is that it can make space sex messy. Again, it sounds stupid, but, you know, they have to actually think about this stuff. Bodily fluids involved in the process in microgravity can wind up just floating around in the capsule, which would also cause some problems. Anyway, I just stuck it out there for y'all to check it out. Do check the link in our show notes. Read the whole article. It's from sputniknews.com. And yes, indeed, they do consider and they think about and they have rules about sex in space for astronauts. And even if they were to say, okay, it just really ain't that easy. <laughs> but hey, rules were meant to be broken, right? 
We make a habit of doing that in Malaysia. My good friends at Chili Sauce, links in the show notes, chilisauce.my, that's C-I-L-I-S-O-S. And this article, you remember, I've, I've talked about this before, how we are, in a sense, with some qualifiers, more free in Malaysia than in the land of the free where I'm from, <clears throat> especially these days. Um, I've made the argument before. I'm not going to get into the whole, uh, you know, more free than you are type thing, but it has to do in a way with this kind of thing. Real interesting article just came out uh, today, I believe. Yeah, today on chilisauce.my. The link is in the show notes. Please do check it out. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole article. I want you to go over there and read it for yourself. But these Malaysians have shared their funny experiences getting stopped at PDRM roadblocks. PDRM is Police Diraja Malaysia, which is the Royal Malaysian Police. Uh, they set up roadblocks under the uh, alleged reason of checking for road tax stickers, drunk drivers. Sometimes they do operations where they're looking for gang members. And so you'll drive through the roadblock 99 times out of 100. They look, they check your tax sticker on your car, and then they just wave you through. No big deal. Uh, late at night when it's, you know, party night, midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, then they might stop everybody, have you roll down the window. We used to do this on the police force all the time. They would smell in the car, see if they smell alcohol or anything like that. Um, anyway, some of these stories are fascinating. This is a, a guy here who actually got stopped because of his tattoos. Uh, driving, we often find ourselves worrying about being caught in a roadblock because uh, most of the time, the Abang police just point their flashlight and wave us through. Sometimes not so lucky, as I just explained. And when that happens, we'll often find ourselves driving away after paying an official or an unofficial fine. Uh, these guys walked away with much more than just a summons, but also with an interesting story to tell. Uh, there's a whole bunch. There's five different stories here. You got to check them all out. They're, each one just gets funnier as it goes. But this one from Yui Ha Hua, and I, I'm sure I'm butchering your name. I'm sorry, Yui Ha. Uh, a few years ago, on his way back home, when he was stopped by police, who at the time were running an operation to apprehend gang members. Uh, gang members here are very often identified, as in other places, by their tattoos. So no surprise that Yui Ha looked like he had a top spot in Kale's most wanted list. Uh, here's what he looks like. You can see he's got tattoos here, tattoos here, tattoos here. Um, as usual, they started to question him about where he was going, what he was doing, uh, which he was able to answer without much issue. And then one of the police officers saw a tattoo of a watch on his wrist. You'll see that picture right here. There's the picture of his watch. And... Um, it led him to question what kind of gang tattoo it was. However, instead of clarifying the meaning of his watch tattoo with the police officer, Yui Hua decided instead to tell the officer as a joke that he belonged to Gang Jam Tangan. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the cop didn't understand the joke 
and he was pulled over to the side of the road. They then conducted a search of his car and found a mysterious bag of fine white powder. Mm. The thing is, Yui Hua works as a chemical product salesperson, and he used to carry around samples of the products he had to sell, and one of which was a fine white powder. As the policeman scooped his finger into the bag and took a small amount of the powder to presumably sniff it or taste it, he had to yell out that it caused cancer. So the cop then slowly lowers his finger back in the bag and kind of dusts it off. (laughs) Oh, man. He then showed the cops his employment card along with the product safety manuals to prove that it indeed was not some sort of illegal substance. And uh, that still wasn't the end because then they decided they had to search him. Uh, So he was explaining the meaning behind all of his tattoos, visible tattoos. And then it was time to inspect the upper half of his body. And the inspector lifted his shirt to reveal this. (laughs) A giant Doraemon. Is that Doraemon? Yeah, Doraemon. tattoo and needless to say the rest of the search was a breeze he got home safely in due time without a scratch to anything except his dignity (laughs) oh man uh there's a whole bunch of these stories do check them out the link is in the show notes and uh thanks to chilisauce.my for a a very cool article about uh police roadblocks mishaps here in malaysia luna amethyst welcome in hello dear good to see you nice to have you along for the ride nice to have you don't worry you're not late you came at just the right time for you so that's a good thing all right actually we're just about to head on over into our book tonight so um you got yourself a tatty laptop stick how did you what did you make that do they sell Tatiana laptop stickers? I uh, I had no idea. Okay. Cool beans. I don't have any... Do I have any stickers on my laptop? No. I don't have any stickers on this laptop. Uh, except for one here. And I usually take all the... There are people I know... Oh, ordered it on Redbubble. Okay, cool. Um, there are people I know who leave all the stickers on on like their laptops or their phones or even have some of the these are the kind of foolish people who leave the uh car seats wrapped when they buy a new car why do you do that i suppose it's the same people who maybe wear masks when they're driving alone probably yeah, lots of fan-made NSR merch there. Very cool, Redbubble. Send me the link or put the link in the chat. I'm sure people might be interested in, in uh, how to get that stuff. If you are fans of No Straight Roads, uh, very cool. I uh, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Feel free to stick the, uh, if it'll let you. I'm not sure. Sometimes the uh, the auto mod stuff will not let you put a, uh, a URL in there, but, but just check. Just put, you know, whatever.com and then the link in there if you want. All right. Um, I think we got to move on and up to our book. Um, we started this a few streams ago. We just finished um, A Christmas Carol by uh, Charles Dickens. But um, we did start this a few uh, a few streams ago. We're trying to finish it up by Christmas. And I think we're going to make it because we've got one, two, 
three more shows, not including tonight, uh, before Christmas. So we should just have enough time. And what we what we are sharing is, um, yeah, I got three stars here. So that must show me that they're not letting you put the link in. All right, whatever. Uh, send it to me if you want, nopants at jsheldon.com, and I'll stick it in the show notes if I can. All right, so we're, we're reading A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote. Uh, this is an absolutely amazing short story. Truman Capote, if you've... Uh, if you know any Capote at all, if you've never read Capote, I, I can't encourage you enough to check out Truman's work. He was remarkable. When I lived in, uh, in Key West, I lived in a compound. It was a series of houses all fenced in. We had a pool in the middle. And directly across from our house was Alfred. Alfred was a former uh, obituary writer for the New York Times. He was a very famous guy. And, you know, when when the uh, places like the New York Times write an obituary, uh, we're talking about Truman Capote at the moment. Atifi Taffy. <laughs> Welcome in. Um, so the, uh, this fellow was the writer of obituaries for the New York Times because when famous people uh, would pass away, the Times would already have most of their obituary written from the history of their life. That was this guy's job, was to research it. And he knew most of these people. He would have the most amazing stories about life in New York City or in L.A. and the parties he used to go to. Um, he would. Uh, one of his favorite stories was about going to a party at Joan Crawford's house where everything in the house was white. Her New York probably Upper East Side apartment. And um, everything, the fur rug, the couch, the chair, the everything, entire house was in what, in Joan Crawford's house was white. I couldn't imagine trying to get that clean. Uh, but he also had some great stories about Truman Capote, and uh, I'll share some of them uh, in the upcoming streams, if I can remember. But uh, Alfred was uh, an amazing guy. Uh, he passed away about, uh, I think, probably eight, nine, ten years ago. Um, lived in Key West in the last of his days. And he would always sit out at the pool naked. Yeah. It was a compound. It was walled in, so only the six or seven houses. And, you know, it's Key West. Everybody's open-minded there. Nobody really gives a crap. But he always wore one thing. Now, I can't say the name of this thing because it's a bit vulgar, but it was a a ring, okay? So you can imagine he's a guy and he's wearing some sort of a ring, and I don't mean like this kind of a ring. I mean another kind of a ring, he had a variety of them and he was always wearing one and that was all he ever wore. And so he always said he wore that because he, he always loved to run around naked. He was just a nudist. That was his thing. But he made a promise to his mom that he would never be completely naked. And so he wore this ring to keep his promise to his mom it didn't hide anything okay <laughs> man uh we love you alfred
amazing. Anyway, he had met Truman Capote on several occasions at parties, and uh, his stories were, uh, I miss him badly. He was such a great guy to talk to. Anyway, one of my favorite books of all time, short stories of all time, and certainly my favorite Christmas story is A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote. And we've been reading that, and we're going to continue. Uh, They took a penny, tossed it out the window so that we wouldn't have an even 13 of anything. And tonight, our story continues Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory. Of the ingredients that go into our fruitcakes, whiskey is the most expensive, as well as the hardest to obtain. State laws forbid its sale, but everybody knows you can buy a bottle from Mr. Ha Ha Jones. And the next day, having completed our more prosaic shopping, we set out for Mr. Ha Ha's business address. A sinful, to quote public opinion, fish fry and dancing cafe down by the river. We've been there before, and on the same errand. But in previous years, our dealings have always been with Ha-Ha's wife, a iodine dark Indian woman with brassy peroxided hair and a dead tired disposition. Actually, we've never laid eyes on her husband, though we've heard he's an Indian too. A giant with razor scars across his cheeks. They call him Ha-Ha because he's so gloomy, a man who never laughs. As we approach his cafe, a large log cabin festooned inside and out with chains of garish, gay, naked light bulbs and standing by the river's muddy edge under the shade of river trees where moss drifts through the branches like gray mist, our steps slow down. Even Queenie stops prancing and sticks close by. People have been murdered in Ha-Ha's cafe, cut to pieces, hit on the head. There's a case coming up in court next month. Well, naturally, these goings-on happened at night, when the colored lights cast crazy patterns and the Victrola wails. In the daytime, Ha-Ha's is shabby and deserted. I knock at the door. Queenie barks. My friend calls, Mrs. Ha-Ha, ma'am, anyone to home? Footsteps. The door opens. Our hearts overturn. It's Mr. Ha-Ha Jones himself. And he is a giant. He does have scars. He doesn't smile. No, he glows at us through Satan-tilted eyes and demands to know, What do you want with ha-ha? For a moment, we're too paralyzed to tell. Presently, my friend half finds her voice, a whispery voice at best. If if you please, Mr. Ha-Ha, we, we'd like a quart of your finest whiskey. His eyes tilt more. Would you believe it? Ha-Ha is smiling, laughing, too. 
Which one of you is a drinking man? Uh, it's for making fruit cakes, Mr. Haha. Cooking. This sobers him. He frowns. That's no way to waste good whiskey. Nevertheless, he retreats into the shadowed cafe and seconds later appears carrying a bottle of the daisy yellow unlabeled liquor. He demonstrates its sparkle in the sunlight and says, Two dollars. We pay him with nickels and dimes and pennies. And as suddenly as he jangles the coin in his hand like a fistful of dice, his face softens. I'll tell you what, he proposes, pouring the money back into our bead purse. Just send me one of those fruitcakes instead. Well, my friend remarks on our way home, there's a lovely man. We'll put an extra cup of raisins in his cake. The black stove, stoked with coal and firewood, glows like a lighted pumpkin. Egg beaters whirl, spoons spin round in bowls of butter and sugar. Vanilla sweetens the air, ginger spices it. Melting, nose-tingling odors saturate the kitchen. Suffuse the house, drift out to the world on puffs of chimney smoke. In four days, our work is done. Thirty-one cakes, dampened with whiskey, bask on window sills and shelves. Who are they for? Friends. Not necessarily neighbor friends. Indeed, the larger share is intended for persons we've met maybe once, or perhaps not at all. People who struck our fancy, like President Roosevelt, like the Reverend and Mrs. J.C. Lucy, Baptist missionaries to Borneo, who lectured here last winter, or the little knife grinder who comes through town once a year, or Abner Packer, the driver of the six o'clock bus from Mobile, who exchanges waves with us every day as he passes on a dust-cloud whoosh. Or the young Winstons, a California couple whose car one afternoon broke down outside the house and who spent a pleasant hour chatting with us on the porch. Young Mr. Winston snapped our picture, the only one we've ever had taken. It is because my friend is shy with everyone except strangers that these strangers and merest acquaintances seem to us our truest friends? I think yes. Also, the scrapbooks we keep of thank yous on White House stationery, time to time communications from California and Borneo. The knife grinder's penny postcards make us feel connected to eventful worlds beyond the kitchen with its view of a sky that stops. Now that a nude December fig branch grates against the window, the kitchen is empty. The cakes are gone. Yesterday we carted the last of them to the post office, where the cost of stamps turned our purse inside out. We're broke. That rather depresses me, but my friend insists on celebrating 
with two inches of whiskey left in Haha's bottle. Queenie has a spoonful and a bowl of coffee. She likes her coffee chicory-flavored and strong. The rest we divide between a pair of jelly glasses. We're both quite awed at the prospect of drinking straight whiskey. The taste of it brings screwed-up expressions and sour shoulder shudders. But by and by we begin to sing, the two of us singing different songs simultaneously. I don't know the words to mine, just come on along, come on along to the dark town strutter's ball. But I can dance. That's what I mean to be, a tap dancer in the movies. My dancing shadow rollicks on the walls. Our voices rock the chinaware. We giggle as if unseen hands were tickling us. Queenie rolls on her back. Her paws plow the air. Something like a grin stretches her black lips. Inside myself I feel warm, sparky as those crumbling logs, carefree as the wind in the chimney. My friend waltzes round the stove. The hem of her poor calico skirt pinched between her fingers as though it were a party dress. Show me the way to go home, she sings, her tennis shoes squeaking on the floor. Show me the way to go home. Enter two relatives. Very angry. And that's where we'll leave it for tonight. We'll continue with Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory on our next stream. Wow. That's the way Capote describes these things and these feelings and these moments, just amazing. Just such an incredible author. All right. By the way, we will compile all of those into one giant sort of ebook read uh, in parts and have them uploaded to our special channel on YouTube. And if you would like access to that, you can join us on patreon.com slash Sheldon, and that will get you a link to discover all of our classic books, Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, Little Prince. They're all up there. You can check them all out. It's just the book part of our show on uh, patreon.com slash Sheldon. All right, that is going to do it for a Wednesday night. I'll be back again on Saturday. Thank you to our folks in India, especially through Geo7. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, for all your downloads and your listens to our podcast across all the podcast platforms, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever it is, Apple. And uh, of course, for those of you who catch our video show on Rumbles and also on Locals.com, you can find us over there. Just search for Jay Sheldon or I'm Not Wearing Pants and you'll find us. All right, my friends, that's it. I'll see you Saturday. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Woo!